Welcome to season four, episode one of As You Go, a podcast meant to encourage and disciple women who are daily trying to follow Jesus while balancing all of the things in their lives like work, family, friendships, mental and physical health, and so much more. We are so excited to be back with you guys for a brand new season. We have um, some incredible guests coming our way. I'm Kathy, hosting alongside one of my very favorite humans, Miranda Coates. <laughs> go on, go on. And today we're so excited to have Jana Woodbury with us. Um, she's not only become a dear partner in ministry, but a dear friend as well. You know, those people that you just connect with yes. really quickly and you're like, we're going to be friends. That is, that is Jana. And Absolutely. so Jana, thank you so much for being here with us today. Of course. Why don't you start us off um, just sharing a little bit about who you are, how you're serving at Rolling Hills. What do we need to know about Jaina? Yes, absolutely. So I am a mother of four. I'm also a wife. And in terms of ministry, I am an intern in the women's ministry under Miranda. Yay. Can we just back up a second? Mother of four to <laughs> All girls. All girls. Let's just pause and let that soak in for just a second. That is worth noting. Absolutely. Absolutely (laughs) incredible. So, Jaina, you have faced many trials in your life. I know this is kind of a broad question or Mm -hmm. ask, but would you just share with us a little bit about your journey? Yes. So... When I get asked that question, I kind of, because the mind likes to think linear, so I think back to just the environment in which I was raised, Mm -hmm. where values, morals, those type beliefs were introduced. And I did grow up in a pretty broken home. Um, I shared with Kathy, we had lunch last, or coffee last week, and a lot of my memories in terms of within the household aren't necessarily the best. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of conflict. Um, But I do have people in my life looking back where I'm like, okay, there's a reason why they were placed into my life. And one of those people for me was my grandmother. So growing up, I had a very close relationship with my grandmother, and she was a strong woman of faith from Waverly, Tennessee, and she taught me how to pray, um, a lot of like the Christmas songs. And and so my growing up, it's two-sided, right? It's like I had those positive influences, but I also had the reality of a broken home. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was an alcoholic, and although he was an alcoholic, he was very successful. And so on the outside looking in, it's like I had a great home physically Mm -hmm. on the outside, but emotionally, you know, there just wasn't a lot of validation or support, and that kind of like set the foundation for struggle, I believe, later on in life. Mm -hmm. Did you recognize that even from an early age, like there's something different about grandma. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's because of her strong faith. Um, You learn that we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And she was consistent in everything that she did. She was a light for everyone. Even when she did pass away her funeral, there were so many people that came to the church that everyone couldn't fit. And I think, you know, later on, we're going to talk about what legacy do you want to leave? And that's something that I really, you know, when I am no longer here, I want people to to know, okay, yeah, she made a huge impact Mm -hmm. and I want to be a light like her. But it wasn't until later on in my adult life where, you know, you start to really realize the type of impact that those little things made on me. Walk, Walk us through that part of your journey. So growing up in a broken home, 
you know, many struggles mm-hmm. after that, you yeah. know, that have really led you to where you are today. Um, will you share with our listeners some of your journey of faith and how you came to know the Lord? Yeah, so I grew up in the church, but I don't think I really met Jesus until a few years ago. So I understood, you know, going to church. I knew there was a Bible. I knew it was important to pray. And I remember every single night I would pray, and it's been the same prayer. And it was the prayer that I learned from my grandmother. Wow, um, so neat. And then one day I just you just stop praying. And I think that, you know, as a child, you look to your family for that identity or that sense of belonging. And when that's not found, it's easy to kind of get lost in that. So I started seeking truth in places where there was absolutely no truth. I started seeking importance outside of the family system in the home. And so my friends became my family. And when you kind of get into that pattern of peer influence is more important than parental, it's easy to become stray and start to find importance in the world instead of truth and value that should be within a family. Um, And so, you know, again, growing up, it's like I had two sides. And in high school, I was completely outside of the home, Um, was traveling a lot, was like super artsy, but I was always really good in school. So I did, I mean, I managed to keep straight A's. I graduated high school early, started college early and was on this, you know, all things given. I'm proud that I was able to kind of stay on track and complete school. But, you know, one thing led to another. And for me, when I look back, so something I have struggled with in my life is addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually 11 years sober. Yay. That's Praise amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but some when you learn about addiction, you learn that it's a symptom of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And so my foundation, my belief system was just very skewed um, and broken. And so— the behaviors are typically there before someone actually starts to actively engage in something like addiction. Mm-hmm. It could be codependency. It could be fear, anxiety, depression, all of these things mm-hmm. behaviorally that creates a disconnect from person um, to the truth of God and just the spirit. And so it was somewhat of a long road. My addiction really started after I had my first daughter. Again, those behaviors were there. I was I got married very young. I was trying to recreate this family system based off of what I had been exposed to. And we know that we can't do anything in our own might, you know, mm-hmm. looking back, but I tried so hard, you know, desperately to fix things. I was the fixer. I didn't like conflict. I was always trying to keep the peace and I would sacrifice my truth and my worth to try to keep the peace and make others happy. And so that led, you know, so I had my first daughter and I was already, I think at this point, struggling with like anxiety, some depression. My husband was in the Marine Corps. And so we were actually living in Japan and I was pregnant with no support. Mm -hmm. I'm 20 years old, newly married, isolated, basically. So So I had my first baby and it was a C-section and then I became reliant on the medication that was given to me. And I mean, that's kind of like a whole other story, kind of like the pharmaceutical world and, you know, wanting to diagnose people and say, if you take this, then you'll feel better. And so I I think at that point was self-medicating for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. How did you get, I say get past that. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. that that's a process and it's a journey 
Um, what are some things that were pivotal for you to walk that journey out and be on the other side of it now? So I did luckily go to treatment. And so my daughter, when I did get sober, was two at the time. And I went to a wilderness treatment first, mm-hmm. so I know how to make fire. <laughs> good to know. I am making a note of that. Yeah, right now. good to know. I can <laughs> bow We're on Survivor, the three of us. We've <laughs> yeah. got, we're taking, yeah. Yeah. But I learned, I mean, my family was like, okay, if she's going to live this life, then we want her to be able to survive, essentially. So I did that for 60 days and then went to California where I was reunited with Celia, who's my oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. Um And we were in treatment together for six months. And so my husband and I got sober together, actually, Mm -hmm. which is very uncommon. Mm -hmm. We're still together, about to celebrate 15 years of marriage. And that also is very uncommon for a system to have walked in dysfunction and then to be able to completely shift. And that's a testament to who Jesus is. Um, So I got sober, gratefully, you know, through treatment Being in California, exposed to just this recovery community, that's not like anywhere else in the nation because there's so many resources. Again, the community, there's all different walks of life. There's young people that are getting sober. There's older people who have been sober for 30-plus years. Um, And I started working in the behavioral health industry, which I think really helped just in terms of understanding mental health as well as addiction. Um, During that time, I was always seeking something. This is kind of before I I got back into church. I knew there was more innately in me. I knew there was something more. And I was looking everywhere for that. I was looking at new age more so, like spiritual practices. So, you know, mindfulness, meditating, Um, crystals, things that now I know are not truth, right? They're idols. Mm. But I just so badly wanted an explanation of why I felt the way I did. You know, just growing up in like the complicated lifestyle that I had, I always tried to like piece together every experience. Like, well, this happened because I needed to learn this. Mm. I just was constantly in this like web of thoughts and it was exhausting. Um, and then after a while I did get back into church and had a huge spiritual awakening that shifted everything. That's amazing. So, um, Jaina, when, um, you look back and look back in, in your past and even the present so many times, um, when we hear people's stories of how they, um, got to know the Lord, it's because there was someone in their life. So you mentioned your grandma. Um, when you look back on your life and even today, are there people that you know now that God placed in your path that sort of brought you into the light and and led you to Him? Totally. Even the first treatment center that I worked at, they had a faith-based component of it. Mm-hmm. And even though I was a staff there, I was I would find myself often in front of like the pastor, pastoral care <laughs> counselor or in front of therapists that I knew were Christians. And so again, it's like I look back and I see God so intricate in all of the details. Mm-hmm. And I was hungry for it. I knew it was there. I just didn't have that moment where 
it all made sense. I was so inundated with culture and I was trying to prove, I think, a point at this time of like, I can be successful. I can do this. You know, I just got over this huge barrier addiction and and mental health. And so I was like striving for purpose, but looking at the wrong places for it. So success, Mm -hmm. career, uh, everything that's now so different from what I believe in. So you've actually had many years of what people would look at as like a good career, successful, you know, providing for your family, all of those things. And then you step into, and what we would view as an incredibly important role, right? But very, very different than what you've been doing and serving as an intern now um, at Rolling Hills. How did you get to that place? So that's a really great question. A lot of fervent prayer and just this, when you commit your life to Jesus, he has a way of refining Mm -hmm. you. And once I found truth, I was so hungry for it. I was constantly trying to find out about who God says I am versus who I always thought I was in culture or as this successful businesswoman or, you know, the, the boss woman that culture, again, likes to portray. And the very me, me, me focused on uh, just success. And I just, I knew, and that's kind of why from like coming to, going, leaving California, coming to Tennessee was like all a part of being refined. Um, it's something, like I said, I've been praying for. Um, I wanted to be most importantly, a wife and a mom. And you learn that your family is your first ministry. But I felt like doing that and then living in the world and being successful, it was like two different life experiences. And I was so conflicted and felt that confliction often. And so I got to a point where I was willing to lay it all down Mm -hmm. and trust and pay tithing. I've had just being obedient and just Mm -hmm completely relying on God and not storing, you know, treasures on the earth, um, as we learned this past Sunday. Mm -hmm. And uh, from prayer to actually stepping foot in Tennessee. So I knew that God was calling me out of California. I just wanted a different life for my kids. I grew up in the Midwest, and I, you know, played outside until the streetlights came on. It wasn't like that (laughs) in California, you know. It wasn't calm to, to say hi to your neighbor. So just like on a fundamental basis— um, as I started growing in Christ, I was like, okay, I want to, I want my family to have this a different opportunity. And so I prayed about, okay, Lord, where do you want my family to be? And I knew I wanted to be in ministry. I just didn't know what that looked like. So often when we think of ministry, we think of like a huge stage and like a huge following. And again, it can be confusing because it's like all me, me, me. And it's like, well, for me to be successful in ministry, I need to have 500,000 followers. I need to be verified. I need to like (laughs) have these book deals, you know? And so I had a moment even in my pursuit of ministry where I'm just like, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's so like the enemy when you're starting to like really make strides into being obedient to just those spiritual attacks on character, fam, all of it, you know, can happen. But I just, again, was so obedient and leaving California, the comforts of my church, mm-hmm. the group of women that I started Bible study with, I just 
left it all behind. And I do feel called specifically to Rolling Hills for Miranda was actually one of the first people I met when I walked in the door. <laughs> Which is so funny yeah. to, <laughs> to look back. That is so God. It is. It is. Yeah. There's a story that you were sharing with me the other day when we had coffee and you said, I'll probably mess it up a little bit, but you said that you were had the shopping cart and you had waters and you were like moving <laughs> waters from one place on campus to another place on campus. And the realization that like, wow, I get to do this. Mm -hmm. I get to move waters. And I'm like, wow, may we all not get lost in the lights or the stage or yeah. the followers and be so grateful that we get to move water bottles. Truly, truly. And that Lord. is one thing that I have observed with, with you, Jaina, is, um, you know, there's, there are some things that, that we get to do in ministry that are super fun. And sometimes they are in, you know, upfront, but there's also a whole lot of other things that we do mm -hmm. that are less glamorous, like moving waters or setting up <laughs> tables or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. And, um, if you want to talk about someone who has the joy of the Lord, I mean, you just mm -hmm. look at Jaina and she has got that shopping cart and she has a big <laughs> smile on her face. And she is always saying, Miranda, what do you need? What can I take care of? Um, and so it is a great reminder. That is how I want to be as well. Like nothing is too, nothing is beneath me. You know, yeah. we're just here to serve the Lord and whatever we need to do to make that happen. So I, I just really appreciate Thank that you. about you that you can just tell you're just so happy, whatever it is mm -hmm. that, that is asked of you. You're just, you do it with a smile and yeah. just love that. And you never know who's watching. It's mm -hmm. a word that's Real, I've been ruminating on is up the word upright. And it's like having integrity no matter where you are, when no one's looking. You know, how are you showing up? How are you serving? And this environment is so refreshing for me to be able to come here and like worship and prayer is a part of the culture and the day to day. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm coming from it with like a from the other side where I'm just like so on fire and have so much passion to where it's like, I know I'm meant to be in the church because sometimes if it's what you've been doing for so long, you, it can become more of like your normal day to day mm -hmm. and, and take away from how blessed are we to be able to like be in this position. You know, God has called us. We're chosen. He equips us. And it's like a part of our, our purpose. It's the anointing that comes as you follow and you're obedient. And so I, I did, I quit, a, you know, a high paying job. And I was just like, none of that matters to me. Like, I don't care how much money I make. I don't do any of this for money. I trust God will continue to provide for my family. Mm -hmm. If he could, you know, rescue me from the pits of addiction and mental health. It's like, this is I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take and it. <laughs> also, I have observed on Wednesday nights, um, man, if, if when we're done, I don't even blink. And I look around and Jane has got it all all cleaned up. <laughs> Dialed in. Um, but, but your daughters, mm -hmm. um, you bring them with you and they are watching you. Yes. And they, it is so cool to watch them serve alongside you to just, it, it is, it is. It just touches your heart. So mm. I think how job, incredible Mom. that the Lord is changing the trajectory yes. of your family. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's when you say yes to Jesus, it's like the the blessings and mm-hmm. everything that can change or way more than you could ever imagine, really. And again, it's it's about being obedient and yielding to your calling and that we never want to put God in a box. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always so much bigger and better than we could ever expect. There's nothing that we could do to prepare really, except for being God's word and be faithful and steadfast in truth. Amen. That is an amazing <laughs> word right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so kind of going back a little bit, um, one thing that we want to make sure that that we're speaking to is for those that are in a hard place, what what do you have to say to them? So it, for those women that are in a valley right now, they're in a dark place, maybe um, they're dealing with some addiction, fear, they're in a place of darkness, um, what would you want them to know? We can't go too far that God always meets us where we are. He just invites us and asks us to come. And some days prayers might just be like, Jesus, and that's it, and that's enough. Mm -hmm. And so responding um, to that invitation, but that can also feel really hard. If anyone is struggling, just remembering that you're not alone and that it's true when God says He uses everything for good. And in my path, even though I had a lot of moments of darkness, um, uncertainty, now that's been the very part of my testimony where people feel comfortable talking to me because they know there's no judgment there. And so often we try to show up and, you know, have the facade like everything's okay but inside we're cr- we're crying and we're hurting and but that's not being upright right that's mm-hmm. not having integrity to who you are i mean i think it says what do not fear 365 times in the bible it's true it's like do not fear we have nothing to fear that's the voice of the enemy and we have to be able to discern spirit of error spirit of truth and the truth is we are all god's children and we live in a very fallen world, and with that comes pain, separation, all of it. Mm-hmm. But there's a way out for sure. And that's, I mean, Jesus says, you know, he's not here for the righteous. He's here for sinners mm-hmm. to repent. And no matter what, that's a part of the process, mm-hmm. answering the invitation, repenting, and being able to walk with Christ. Wow. That is, that's <laughs> awesome. So, um you know, I think you have given um, definitely us and all of our listeners so many great things to to think about and um, just appreciate you sharing your story. Um, just leave us with, with this answer. What do you want your legacy to be? I kind of said it in the beginning, but I want to be like Jesus. I want people, whether it's a big interaction, a small interaction, if it's by the waters or, you know, with the women getting tea during the (laughs) gathering on Wednesdays, or it's because I'm sharing my testimony in front of a lot of, either way, I want people to be like, wow, you know, I see how God can restore and how she's been redeemed. And I just want to walk and just be that light um, in the world for, for the community and for my children. I have four daughters and I know God gave me four daughters for a reason, and it's to raise strong women that mm. understand biblical truth mm. and can feel confident and comfortable 
and that call um, against all persecution, because I imagine it only get a little more complicated as mm-hmm. potentially as times go on for them, but they know where home is and they know where they can go. Mm, I love that. Love that too. Um, so Jane, as we get ready to wrap up here, can we just pray for you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, father, I just thank you so much. You are so good. And you, um, you just keep pursuing us even when we are running from you. Um, even when we are in darkness, um, we are never too far gone. And I just thank you so much for Jaina and her family and what you are doing in her and through her. Um, I just ask for your blessing over her life and her ministry. And um, Lord, I know that you are going to continue to equip her to do great things for your kingdom and in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Miranda, Jaina, Uh, This has just been an incredible time. Jana, thank you so much for sharing your story, the Lord's story um, that he continues to write in your life. And I just pray that women out there who feel like they are stuck um, or that their season is hopeless, that it's not. Um, Because of Jesus, we have hope. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see how the Lord continues to use you and your call to ministry just point so many other people back to him. So thank you. Um, We love serving with you and just doing life with you. So ladies, thank you so much for listening to season four of As You Go. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. As You Go podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills podcast network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.